Hey, you're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. It was also kind of a bummer week this week because my man Z, uh, we put him in, in pre-K and he held out for a couple weeks, but every day, all day while he was at school, he was like sobbing his face off and he was screaming and crying and uh, he woke up last week, he woke up in the middle of the night, like 1 a.m., and he's like, no school, no school, no school, and I was like, are we traumatizing our child? Like, this might be a little far, and so we pulled him out of school this week, which was kind of a big deal. Like, I'm going to be honest, as a parent, I was like, does he go, does he, did we fight a fear, am I traumatizing him, is he just not ready, and you know, all the grandparents had opinions, and, and so we pulled him out, I felt like we made the right decision, and then two days later, he had a doctor's appointment, and he got his shots, and uh, man, if you've got little kids and they have shots, it is, it is not fun. And so he's really had a, a pretty rough week. And, and the moment we walked into the doctor's office, uh, man, things just got bad. He, he looked around. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And I was like, it's okay, buddy. Daddy's going to hold you the whole time. And how many of you know when you're two, you're smart enough to know you're still getting your shots. You don't care who's holding you. And, and he, he was like, y'all lying to me. I'm not okay. They're going to stab me with metal, Dad, and you know it. And so, so literally we walk in, and as soon as we get back into uh, the little doctor's office cubicle area, he, he loses it. In fact, I have a picture of him right here. So this is his face. <laughs> the poor little guy. You can leave it up for a second. And so and so they had to like you know check him out and take his clothes off and check his knees and he's screaming the whole time he's crying I had snot all over my shirt and man I felt terrible I I just felt terrible and and then of course you know like probably 20 times within the 30 minutes we're there he's like can we go now can we go now and we're like no just a little bit more and he's losing it again and then the nurse comes in to give him his shots and and, uh, of course, I was like, buddy, it's going to sting. Put your head right here. I'll hold you, you know, and it's going to hurt a little bit. And that first shot, yo, it was a scream. It was a shout. It was bad. Now, the second one, though, and thank God he only had two. The second one, man, he kicks his leg, which probably made it feel so much worse, right? And he's like, claw. I mean, he is like, I'm done. One, I'll cry. Two, we're going to war. And he was really, like, upset and screaming. And and, and the whole time, I, or afterwards, like, I felt sad. Like, I was like, dude, I, my son's crying for an hour. I, I feel terrible. He's got to do it, obviously. And, uh, and so I told us, I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome, like, if we could just take the, the shot for him and, and transfer, like, the medicine, right? Like, that's my heart. Instantly. And then I'm like, it's 2019. Why are we still stabbing kids with metal? There's got to be a, a better way. And what, what is happening? And why? why? Like, and and uh, as we kick off our series on grace today, and I'm so excited for this series, but what a picture of the cross, right? Jesus took the shot of death. Come on, guys. And he transferred the medicine of life to us. Can we just give it up for Jesus for three seconds to just say, God, I thank you that you took the shot for me and you transferred the medicine to my life and you gave me new life. He, he took the sting and he, he gave us what we didn't deserve. And, and I'm really looking forward to this month and it's, it's going to be a great month on grace because I think so many Christians struggle with the concept of God's grace and, and his goodness. And I know for me, when I gave my heart to Christ at 17, like I believed like, yes, God saves me with his grace. Like I, I get that I didn't earn salvation. I understand that it is a gift, that, that I couldn't earn it. I couldn't be good enough for it. But what's funny to us when we get saved and as we grow a little bit, we, we often start out in faith 
but then we try to maintain our Christian life with works. Right? Like, like when I was younger in my 20s, I was like, man, if I'm doing good, I can ask God for good things. If, if I make a mistake and I sin on Friday, I better not go to church on Sunday because I'm going to get God's condemnation. Right? Or if I'm really being goofy, then I probably shouldn't ask for any blessing because I'm being a bad kid right now. Right? And, and so I start struggling with this concept of, Man, if I've got my act together, God loves me, and he's proud of me, and he's happy with me, and if I'm making mistakes and I'm messing up, I probably should like distance myself from God and walk on eggshells. It was almost like I was like the last kid adopted into the family, and I was like, man, I better behave and get my act together because I was the last one in, and God might, I might be the first one out. Like God might get, get rid of me really quick. And so we almost struggle with like the spirit of adoption a little bit, I think, where we're like, yo, I started out in faith. And I believe that it was a gift, but now that I'm in, now that I'm in the family, i got to get my life together, and, and then I can have this great relationship, which today I, I hopefully want to show you that it works quite, quite the opposite. And so I'm, I'm excited for this series of grace. Today I'm preaching a message that grace is greater than me, and it's going to be good. And next week, everybody say next week. All right, you're all not excited about next week. I'm going to come over here to these guys right here. So next week I am preaching a message called Grace is Greater Than Shame. And it is going to be one of the best messages, I think, of the month, maybe the year. Grace is greater than shame. Shame, like discouragement, is such a bully. It's just such a bully. And, and the thing about shame, the problem with shame, is shame has the power to really shut you down. Because shame, what sh the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And what shame does is shame really comes after your joy. You can't have joy when you're, when you're living in shame of what you did or what you said uh, or what you went through um, or the experience that happened to you. And you just have shame inside. You just are ashamed. And shame just blocks, man, everything else. It's just, it's a wall. And so next week is going to be really, really deep and really, really powerful as we go after shame. The Bible says that Jesus despised the shame of the cross, Right? So, so it's a shameful experience, but he despised the shame. He is the son of grace. There's something about the spirit of grace that violently despises the spirit of shame. And I think next week is going to be so powerful. If you struggle with shame or know somebody that does, next week is their week. Please bring them. Please come. It's going to be powerful. We're going to help get people free. Amen? And it's, it's going to be good. So, but this morning, grace is greater than me. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. I want to read from verse 11 to 17. And of course, as always, we're going to have it on the screen as well. Behind me. Grace is greater than me. Romans 1. Verse 11. Here we go. I long to see you, this is Paul writing, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is, speaking of the gospel, is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For the gospel, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous are going to live by faith. Born in 1483, 
a man named Martin Luther was born into a family of 10 people. That is a lot of people. This is before Game of Thrones. There was nothing to do. You had a lot of kids, right? So this is before Netflix. Like it, 10 kids. That's a lot of kids. And so it's so family of 10. He grows up. His, his father, Hans, is a very successful businessman. And, uh, and so his, his dad is like, yo, Martin, I want you to have a great education. And so he puts him in some good schools. He's learning Latin, you know, arithmetic, like all the things you're supposed to learn in 1483. And uh, he grows up, and, and his dad wants him to be a lawyer. And so he has them on this track to be a lawyer. He sends him to college to be a lawyer. And he's actually, in his early 20s, one of the better legal minds in, in Germany in 1483. And so he's riding his horse one day from town to town across the countryside. And uh, a crazy lightning storm shows up, right? They didn't have Hurricane Tracker back in 1483, Germany. And so, man, boom, here comes a storm, and he's, he's afraid. And there's lightning everywhere, and he, and he actually wrote and he said, I felt the electricity in the air. So maybe a few of them kind of hit close to him or whatever. And he's terrified, right? Like he's like, I'm going to get struck by lightning. And so he calls out to God, and he says, God, you know, if you will save me right now from this lightning, I will leave my career as a lawyer, and I will serve you as a monk, right? I won't get married. I'm going to do this thing, and so I'll serve you as a monk. Just don't strike me with lightning. Well, Martin survives that lightning storm, and he makes it to the other town. And when he gets there, he makes good on his promise. He drops the whole lawyer career thing, and he goes to an Augustinian monastery to study theology and become a monk. And, and as he studies the theology and, and the Bible and, and he's reading, he, he comes face-to-face -face with two things. And one of that is, is the, the perfection, the holiness, the goodness, the love of God. And he realizes how extreme all of those attributes are in God. And then he comes face to face with his own sin, his own selfishness, the own darkness in his own heart. And he realizes there is this big chasm between who God is and who I am. And he starts struggling with this. And kind of the thought of the day was that the church would forgive your sins. So, so like if Tanessa sinned, then we as a church would be like, okay, we pardon your sin, we forgive you, but you got to do this thing called penance. In other words, it was kind of like making up for it a little bit. And then we would consider you righteous, and then you'd be pardoned, right? So, so penance had a lot of different things that they would do, and Martin Luther would sometimes fast. He would fast for many days. Sometimes he would actually whip himself and beat himself with rods to make up for penance. Sometimes he would actually walk on his knees for miles, I don't know about you, but I can't take like 20 steps on my knees. Like this is going to start hurting in 30 seconds. Like my kids will jump to their knees. If I did that, I would be like checking into the ER like right now. But, but like he would walk on his knees for miles until they would bleed. And one day he's reading Romans chapter 1 and he gets to verses 16 and 17. And here's where it kind of comes together. He reads it, and for a long time he'd been reading it in the Latin, and he reads it in the Greek, and in the Greek it, it really signifies that, that righteousness is something that's declared over us, that it's not originated from us, that, that it's something that's spoken over us, commanded over us, and it comes not from us. And as he reads that, he realizes, whoa, this righteousness, this, this grace, this salvation, it's not something that I do, it's something that's done to me. And he gets this revelation, and, and Emily, throw that quote up for, for me. 
And he, he says, when I discovered that I was born again of the Holy Ghost, he said, when I discovered that I was born again of the Holy Ghost and the doors of paradise swung open and I walked through it, realizing this righteousness is not of me, but it's of God. And so he actually calls it an alien righteousness. In the Latin, he said, it's extra nos. It's outside of me coming in. I want to give us three theological terms this morning, and then, then we'll have a little bit more fun, enough of the Greek and theology, but, but it helps us sometimes. And there's three words I want to focus on. That is salvation, sanctification, and glorification. Most believers now are like, yo, I get salvation. Salvation is when we trust upon Jesus to save us from our sins. It's, it's, uh, it's what we say, yes, I, it's by grace, it's by faith, I, I receive it. Like, I, I get that, Pastor Matt. I've been told that my whole life. And the reason you've been told that your whole life is because of a man named Martin Luther who had the revelation, and for 1,200 years the church had lost that. And we got that back in the 1500s, and we've been preaching that now since. And so that's, that's amazing, first of all, right, how God moves in throughout church history. But then the other word I want to focus on on the other end of that is glorification. Glorification is when we go to heaven. It's when I get a glorified body. It's when sin and temptation can no longer even touch me. It's when no one can cut me off on 95. It's when I don't have to pay, you know, South Florida rent prices anymore. Come on, all the food is paid for. And, and it's just like no more Pollo Tropical for us. Like we are free, right? Like, like we got this. I can jam an Oreo and still have a six-pack. God is good, right? Like heaven is good. And, and so I hope you can eat Oreos and have a six-pack in heaven, but I'm going to hold out for that. And so like, like glorification, everything is perfect. The enemy can't touch us. Sickness can't touch us. Sin can't touch us. It's perfection, right? We're, we're free. But, and everyone would say, yeah, I get it. It's by grace that, that God has the power to take me to heaven. I don't have the power to take myself there. Right? We would all say that and agree with that. The, the word sanctification is what trips up so many of us believers today. Sanctification is me becoming like Jesus right now. Next week. Next month. Right? It's, it's, it's me starting to become like God. You and I, we don't have the power to take ourselves to heaven. We don't have the power to live like heaven. And I think most people, we want to follow God. We want to do good. We are just faced with the same thing that Martin Luther was faced with, that we don't act like God. We don't think like God. You ever, you, did you ever think some thoughts this week that wouldn't like God? You don't have to raise your hand right now, right? But like, thank you, Gary, for the honesty, right? I love, I love this guy. And, and it's like, like we, we don't talk like God. We don't act like God. We, we, we know we behave in a way that is not godly. Isn't it funny how you can get out of worship and you're just like, "Woo, I feel so good. And three hours later, you're yelling at your spouse, right? You're like yelling at your kids, like, like you're depressed in your own mind. And you're like, I don't even know if God's even real anymore. But like three hours ago, you were fine. Isn't it funny how we can swing so wildly, right? And, and we struggle with this concept of like, man, I, I know I began in faith and I believed but now I feel like I gotta put the time in and read my word. I gotta, I gotta pray. I've gotta behave to belong, right? Instead of belong and then you behave. And so we, we get it backwards. We struggle with this thing. And that's when I first got saved, that's exactly what I struggled with. I was like, now that I'm saved, now I've got to behave. Now I've got to make myself holy. Now, now the responsibility, it used to rest on God, but now that I'm in, now, now I've got to do it to somehow earn his love and happiness. And I remember making mistakes in my early 20s, and I was like, man, God's surely got to be mad at me now. He's really got to be upset with me now. And it was almost like this bipolar Christian life that, that I lived. And so, again, I, th I, think, I think we struggle with it. For me as a pastor, guys, 
I think one of the saddest things for me is a Christian who's trying to be a Christian. Y'all didn't hear me. A Christian who is trying in their own power and strength to be a Christian. They're some of the most miserable people on the planet. And what happens is, is when you think that sanctification is all about you, it, it becomes a very insecure, very fearful place and way to do your Christian living. And what you start doing is you start looking around and you're like, you know what, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than them, right? Well, at least I'm on church on Sunday, right? Like, or we start saying things and acting in ways where we feel we're better because we did something to earn it. Isn't that funny about how we do that? And, and we're like, yeah, I'm not the best Christian, but I'm not the worst. You know? And we start comparing because we feel like it's on us and it's something now that I'm, I'm doing. I, I think for me, you know, Christians that, that are trying to do it all in their own power, they become some of the most judgmental, miserable people around. You know, even God, he doesn't judge us until the end of our lives. You know, you talk to a judgmental person, they'll judge you after five minutes for forever, right? <laughs> Like, you don't even know me, and you just judge me, rip me off. Not even God judges until the end, right? He, he looks at the whole, the whole picture, right? What I have found to be true is that Christians who receive grace well, they give grace well. I don't know about you, but I am a man in need of a lot of mercy, and I sow a lot of mercy. You know, I, I give it. I, I like that. And, and what happens to us if, if we don't get good at receiving grace and having an honest Christian faith and walk, what we do is, you know what, God, it's too hard to follow you every day of my life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll into church on Sunday. I'm going to put a mask on, act like I'm good, and then I'll go back out and then I'll try to figure the rest of the week out without you because I can't, I can't do it. Guys, can I tell you this morning that God has not called us to the great facade. He's called us to a great faith. And if your faith doesn't go Monday through Saturday, it's not that much good. And masks, they're cute on Halloween, but yo, they are destructive to your Christian walk. Why? Because God's trying to deal with you in an honest and real way. It's not, it's not about a facade. And, and I understand that. I, I get it because, like, for all of us guys, like, like, we don't want people to see our brokenness. Right? We're all like that. We don't want people to see our brokenness. Like, like there's a cute brokenness that we can talk about, but then there's like the real brokenness. Right? And we don't want people to see like the real brokenness that we have. We don't want people to see like what we actually think and, and feel and what we did or said. That, that's the real brokenness. And I get it because we're afraid of people judging us. We're afraid of people like what would they really think if they, they really knew. And yes, you can't be vulnerable with everybody, right? But, but man, you, we definitely want to be vulnerable with God, right? And so I, I get that. I want to I drive this point home. I need three volunteers for me really, really quick. So uh, let's do this old school ways. Give me three volunteers. All right, Gary. Okay, it's so simple. You don't have to do anything. All right, Arlene. I love this. Look at this. I love this. Okay, come on up, guys. Give it up for our volunteers. I love going old school volunteer stuff. Watch the chords, guys. There's chords. Don't, don't trip and sue us, okay? I would appreciate that a lot this morning. Um, guys, I sold my son's Paw Patrol coloring book. Anybody have little kids and you're watching Paw Patrol way too much? Okay, good. Just me. Great. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, let's see. Arlene, you are going to be, you're going to hold this right here for us, okay? You're, you're going to be like the artist's table. So you got to hold it kind of at an angle so they can draw on it, okay? Perfect. That's amazing. Okay, guys, we've got a coloring book here. You each get a side. So I'm going to put this here. you got to hold it there. Look, at, you're a great easel. You're doing a great easel. You're doing amazing, okay? All right, we're gonna, we'll stand over here so somebody can see us a little bit, okay? Great, okay. All right, so guys, I want you to take a crayon for me, 
and just pick out your favorite color. You've got 24 options. Pick out a, f- a favorite color here, okay? And, uh, and we're going to do a little coloring here this morning. Okay, very good. All right. Now, as best you can, we're going to give you like 10 seconds. Janae, this is yours, okay? And then, Gary, this is your canvas right here, okay? And I'm going to give you guys 10 seconds. And uh, can you guys give me some music? Can you give me some coloring music? Totally impromptu coloring music, but if you can give me coloring music, that would be great, okay? And uh, here we go. 10 seconds. Try to stay within the lines. Do your best. 10 seconds. Go color, okay? Go ahead and color. Come on, guys. Give it up for them. Clap. Give it a little, little energy. It's been a long time probably since they have been in a coloring book, but that's okay. What happened to our coloring music? Boy, the energy just went like, woohoo! That like dropped right off. That dropped right off the face of the earth. There we go. Okay, good, 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 good. Three, two, one, stop. Stop, stop for me. Okay, stop. Okay, kill the music. All right, great. Okay, no, wait for the music though. Come back. All right, I need to see this crayon really, really fast. You ever go to middle school and you did this thing? Do you everybody ever do that? Do you ever break a crayon like that? Man, I used to break 100 crayons like that. Okay, here's your, here's your crayon back. Yeah, you too. I know. You know what's coming, right? You know what's coming. All right. Oh, man, that, that was, break it that way again. Just two for two. All right, very good. Now, using the broken end, I want you to color. You got to use the broken end. Use the broken end, okay? You can pull off a little paper if you want to, okay? But using the broken end. Yeah, you can, yeah, the inside, the inside, the broken part. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Thank you for translating, Easel. Great job. Okay. All right, here we go. Using the broken end, let's continue to color. Give us coloring music. Let's go. One more time. Give it up for them. Ten more seconds. Coloring, coloring. Coloring. Man, I want to dance, but I can't. I'm going to hold it back. I'm not going to do it. So there we go. Yeah, yeah. A little head shake. Perfect. Okay, three, two, one. Stop. Great job. Great job. All right, let's, let's look at this. Okay. You, you did a really good job staying in the lines, actually. I'm really proud of you guys. Both of you look really, really clean. Boy, you were like, you went at that, though. Every vest is, is uh, red there or whatever. You, you did a great job. All right, give, give it up for everybody. Let me borrow one of these things. Give it up for them really, really fast. They did a great job. Um, check this out, guys. If people can color with a broken crayon, why can't God color with a broken life? Come on. Like, let's just... All right, you can sit back down. Come on, watch this, guys. We're so afraid of our brokenness. We put so much faith in ourselves. Instead, don't put faith in the crayon. Put faith in the artist. Wow. Come on, that's deep. God is the author and finisher of my faith, of my life. And and if we can color with something that's broken, why can't God color with something broken? Here's the good news. I don't have to heal myself. I, every time in life I've tried to heal myself, I've just made it worse. I've made it messier. I've made the issue bigger, more mistakes. I don't have to heal myself. I don't have to defend my own reputation. I don't have to bless myself. I don't have to give myself favor. I don't have to open the right doors for myself. Listen, this morning, if you miss the boat, it's not your boat. Your boat is still there on the shore waiting for you, right? Like God's not going to let you miss your boat, I don't have to create my own victory. I don't have to fight my own battles. Why? Because grace is greater than me. Grace is greater than me. My faith isn't in the crayon. It's in the artist this morning. When I was a kid, we used to, my grandparents had an above-ground swimming pool. Y'all know what an above-ground swimming pool is? Five more minutes and I'm going to close for the day. But it's like, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a ginormous kiddie pool. 
It's like, it's like I don't want to commit to a real swimming pool, so I'm going to do this above-ground swimming pool. And above-ground swimming pools are like the most dangerous things in the planet to get in and out of, right? They got this flimsy little ladder, and it's really awkward. And, man, every summer at least one cousin would wipe out. And so there was like seven of us in this swimming pool. And we would like, you know, after a while, you, you just you run out of things to do in an above-ground swimming pool. You can't do laps, right? And, and so you throw the football a couple times. And I don't know how kids do it, but they always find the circle. And so we found the circle and this above ground, some was just massive big circle. And so we'd start running in circles. And first we start out really slow like this. And then we go a little faster and a little faster and a little faster. And then a little bit faster, a little bit faster. And now we're running with the current, right? And then you could get going so fast, you'd run with the current. And then you could pick up your legs and it would just like carry you, right? It was like this really fun thing. And so we're running, we're running, we're running, we're running, carry, running, running, running. And we're having a blast. And then we, we would do this thing right when it was going really, really fast. We'd go reverse. And we'd all turn around. And we would try to like step in the opposite direction. And the current would hit us. And it would take our legs away. And we're like, ah! You know, we'd hit it again. Ah! And then we'd be like, okay, go back. And then run, run, run. You know, and it was, it was like a blast. Can I remind some of you this morning, there is a current of grace working in your life right now. And some of you are like, why is it so hard? Like, why can't I get over this sin? Or why can't I make this thing go right? And blah, blah. Can I just maybe submit to you that you might be trying to run against the current of God's grace in your life? Listen, if you're trying to do it, where does that make room for God to do what he wants to do in your life? Come on, if, if all the pressure's on you, when the Bible says cast all your care on me because I care for you, where, where does that leave space for God to move? And I just wonder if some of you are so miserable because you're just trying to rock the wrong way in your own strength. If you would just let go and let God, like get a little old school with that thing, that current is going to take you where it's supposed to go. One of my good friends, man, is Chino. He grew up here in South Florida. And uh, as, as a kid, he had a teacher that just didn't like him a lot. And, and he was like all little normal little guys. He was talking. He was acting up. He's, you know, throwing spitballs. And the teacher's like, you're a bad kid. And she just was like dogging him. She's like, you're a bad kid. You're a bad kid. And so every day in, in, in like elementary school, late elementary school, he's like, you're a bad kid. You're a bad kid. And so he gets into middle school and high school, and he's like, you know what? He said, I'm a bad kid. And he believed what was spoken over him. He took it as his identity. And he's like, yeah, there's other people that are good, but I'm a bad kid. I can't do anything good, so I'm just going to be bad. And so, man, in high school, he's like Robin stuff. He actually got into an armed robbery thing, and he actually has, like, scars where bullets went through him. Like, he's literally, so now he's in jail, goes to juvie, and, you know, years later, he finds Jesus. And, and as, he, as he found Christ, like, obviously, all the things that happen to a person happen to him when you become a Christian. You, you get saved. The Holy Spirit moves in. God washes your sins away. And, and, and here, check this out. God changed his identity. Right? His identity changed from bad kid to saved kid. His identity changed first. He wasn't perfect overnight. Today, he's married. He's one of the few cases I have ever heard of that is actually healed of HIV AIDS. When he was out in the world, he was sleeping around. He actually had HIV. His wife doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. And his kids don't have it. That's like a miracle. Like no one, he's a pastor in Atlanta right now, planted a church a couple years before us. He like loves us. He was supportive of us when we came. And he's a good friend of mine. I love him like crazy. And today he's a pastor. You would never know 20 years ago he was robbing banks and shootouts with the police. Why? Because his identity changed and his behavior followed. 
Now you wouldn't even recognize them. See, some of you this morning, you're so focused on your behavior, get lost in your identity and your behavior will catch up. Stop looking at this and start focusing on just who he is. He wants to take you somewhere good. You know, the powerful thing about grace, it doesn't just get me out of the bad things. It gets me into the good things. There is a current called grace working in your life, working in your family, working in this church. It's working. Pick up your feet. Go with the current. If you make a dumb mistake, that's okay. Come next week. Stop cutting yourself out of blessings because you don't think you deserve it. If he considered you worth dying for, paying for, who are you to count yourself out? Thanks for listening to City Lift Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or are ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park. You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at City Lift Church.